name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we went to uh, Deborah's family gathering, sometimes her former nephew would bring his poker chips along. We'd play Texas Hold'em poker. Anybody ever play that? That's pretty good. But if you wanted to keep people in the game, you would, you would uh, decide that the ante, which is the chips you put in before the hand starts, you just up the ante a little bit, and then people would be more reluctant to fold, and they would stay in the game. Today's gospel lesson is Jesus' version of Texas Hold'em. It's, well, Jerusalem Hold'em, I guess. It is Jesus upping the ante on God's law. He takes all the Ten Commandments, and he says, well, you know, this is what the commandment says, but here's the spirit of the commandment, not just the letter of the law. Here's the spirit of it. Because at the, at the time, Judaism had devolved into uh, a, a kind of legalistic, nitpicking system. They had Ten Commandments to deal with, and they had created 913 bylaws to explain Ten Commandments. They explained, re-explained, delineated, redefined everything to death. And, that, and the purpose of that was twofold. One, so that those righteous religious people would look even more righteous because they kept more of the bylaws than anybody else. And the other purpose of it was so that you could define things enough that you could find a way around the commandment, that you could weasel around it. Like I've shared before that one of the things that they used to do for the third commandment about resting on the Sabbath and worshiping was if you wanted to walk more than a certain distance, you know, that was considered work. You had to define what is work. So work means, let's say, walking more than a mile. So you just take an article from your home, plunk it down at the one mile mark, and then you could walk another mile because that's an extension of your home. And then you can go visit the people you wanted to and then pick it up on the way back. Well, that, that's, that's really just getting around the commandment. Rest, worship. And they had other things about, you know, working, uh, for example, you could, you could serve food, but you couldn't prepare food. So mixing and cutting and chopping and all that, that washing stuff, that was out. You had to prepare that the day before the Sabbath. And so then we run into a ridiculous situation. We're going to hear about this in about five, six weeks in the gospel lesson. Jesus heals the man born blind. And uh, so he, he spits in the dirt. He mixes a little bit of mud, puts it on his eyelids. And he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. The guy does. And he can see. He's never seen anything since he was born. And all of a sudden he can see. But when the religious leaders hear about this, they go, well, who was this guy? And what did he, wait, what did he do again? He, he, this is the Sabbath, right? He mixed. He mixed dirt and... Oh, oh, he mixed. Oh, that's working. You know, that's, that's bad. He must not be from God. You know, or, or other ridiculous things like the disciples plucking a little grain as they walked along to munch on. They plucked on the Sabbath? Oh, that's considered harvesting. You can't harvest on this. You know, you can do chores, feed your animals and water them, but you can't do any harvesting. Now the disciples plucked. There's no plucking on the Sabbath. You can't do that. And it just was ridiculous. And Jesus has had enough of this. And so he takes the commandments, talks about several of them, and he, he just ups the ante on each one of them. He says, you have heard it said from of ancient times, you shall not kill. But I say to you, here comes the 
ramped up version. But I say to you, you should not even be angry with your brother or sister. And if you uh, insult your brother or sister, that's the same as murder. And if you say, you fool, you're liable to the fire of hell. In fact, if you're bringing your gift to the altar and you suddenly remember that your brother or sister, you have a grievance against them, leave your gift where it is. First go and make peace with your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Correct worship is not what gift you bring to the altar. It's are you taking care of emotional business with the people you care about? So Jesus is, is upping the ante on all of these commandments. And then he says, uh, You know, you've read from of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if you've even looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Now, I, I, I have a question for all the men in the congregation. Uh, how many of you have never looked at another woman with lust in your heart? Uh, raise your hand. But before you do, I need, I need to remind you the next commandment is about lying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Deborah, please take a picture of all the men who have raised their hand in here who have never done that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he goes on to, to talk more about male-female relationships. And, and you've heard it said, if you want a divorce, you want write her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, if you ever divorce a woman and you marry somebody else and she gets married again, you're committing adultery. Well, it's not necessarily that Jesus is you know, trying to, to heap more guilt on people, but what he's doing is standing up for women. Because women in that culture had no recourse to you know, making a living or they couldn't own businesses or anything else. And, and uh, what they would have to do is either go sponge off of some relatives if they were divorced or become a prostitute. Those were kind of the only two avenues open to them. And so what Jesus is saying is, you are taking this much too lightly and women are disadvantaged in this culture. You're, you're taking advantage of them. And that shouldn't happen. Did you notice, by the way, it doesn't say if a woman divorces her husband? That's because they couldn't. <laughs> there was no divorcing of husbands in, in Judaism. It was, it's a man's world. I mean, you know. So that's why you know, women had to pretty well toe the line. Uh, they had to do what their husband said, otherwise they could be out on their ear living with relatives or being prostitutes. <sighs> You're giving me that look like, boy, those were the days, huh, Dick? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way you used to do it, huh, Dick? Yeah. <laughs> she did what I told her, by jolly. Uh, yeah, but, but Jesus is saying, no, that, that, you know, that's not... All of these commandments were given originally by God as a way to help people be in good relationship. The first three commandments are about the vertical dimension, our relationship to God. Don't worship anybody but God. Don't take God's name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day so you can rest and worship. The next seven are the horizontal dimension about us and other people. So honor your parents. Don't kill anybody. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet your neighbor's people or his stuff. Those seven commandments are about dealing with other people. And if we do those things, things go well. So the Lord was not trying to be the giant buzzkill with these commandments, but he was trying to say, this is how you can have a good relationship with God and with other people if you do these things. But it's not just enough to do the letter of the law. Jesus is saying, 
the spirit of the law has to be there. So if you say, well, I never murdered anybody. Yeah, religious leaders, well, we never murdered anybody. Yeah, that's right. But you stood by and watched widows and orphans starve to death. And that's part of it too. Not only what you didn't do, but what, what did you do for these people? Martin Luther, I think, does a nice job of this. I'll take you back to your confirmation class days now. And do you remember uh, that when you had the Ten Commandments, Martin Luther had an explanation for each one of them? It always starts out, we should fear and love God, that. Remember that, everybody? I'm not seeing anybody remembering this. We, we should fear, the first commandment, have no other gods before me. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. It's more positive. The fifth commandment, thou shalt not kill. We should fear and love God. We may not hurt nor harm our neighbor, but help and befriend him in every bodily need. Sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. We should fear and love God that we may lead a chaste life in word and deed and each love and honor their spouse. See, that's the positive thing. Just not supposed to do that, but you are supposed to do this. So with all of these things, we get done with <laughs> Jesus upping the ante on all these uh, commandments, and then I think we might be tempted to say, well, holy cow, I wasn't doing that great on the other commandments the way they were, let alone this ramped-up version that Jesus had. I, that's impossible. I can't do that. And the answer to that is, yes, that's right. You can't. You can't. And it's like a story I read about ten soldiers who were killed in a battle. They were all standing at the pearly gates. St. Peter came out. And he said, now, boys, before you can go in, you have to take a little quiz. It has ten questions, and uh, it's about the Ten Commandments and, you know, what you did in regards to them. And the soldiers started thinking. They thought, wow, taking the Lord's name in vain, uh, killing, uh, unchaste, uh, lying. Oh, man, I don't know. And the sergeant said, how many of these ten do we got to get to make it? And he said, ten. <laughs> oh, they, they're up there, so we, we can't. And just about that time, Jesus came walking out, and he said, Well, boys, I want to tell you, I have taken the tests for you, and you have done very well. Enter. That's where we are. We know that we can't keep these commandments perfectly. We can't even keep the, the regular ones, let alone Jesus up the ante command. We know we can't do that. And that's what throws us at the foot of the cross to say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the Lord says, I have. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.